Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. Hallelujah. Come on, that sounds good in the house of the Lord. How many of you are glad that he found you? Hallelujah. What a Savior we have. And and man, what a tremendous honor and a privilege it is to be with my friend and uh, a tremendous minister. And and I know you guys share him here at the church in the district. Thank you for doing that. His leadership uh, has been wonderful and pivotal, in my opinion. And I know that uh, the Lord is using him to influence Uh, The greater work of the kingdom. How many of you know the kingdom of God is bigger than this church? But turn to to your neighbor, poke him in the shoulder, say, this is big. big. (laughs) Amen, amen. What the Lord is doing by His Spirit in the the world is a tremendous thing. I want to go to Hebrews chapter 4. And uh, let me just echo what Brother Herbst has already said. What a tremendous honor and a privilege it is to have been here this weekend. Uh, we look forward to this every year. Of course, we uh, give honor to uh, Brother and Sister Lear for their leadership for many years. We love them very much. Amen. And then, of course, at continuing and the expansion of what God is doing, the leadership team here under the guidance of your pastor and his sweet wife and family, we love them very much as well. And uh, don't, don't take it... Uh, I know it's oversaid. We don't take it lightly to be here, but it is true. It is a, a heavy thing, substance, uh, to be a part of the work of the Lord and come alongside you and give a little push. Amen. Let me say one more thing. It's always a treat to be in the house of Brother and Sister Herbst. Thank you very much for opening up your home. So gracious. <laughs> to all the team that made this possible, God bless you. I'm going to read, I, I'm gonna read uh, a, a lengthy portion of Scripture. Pastor's already prayed. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just uh, tell you my title, and I'm going to let you be seated. I know you want to stand for the reading of the Word of the Lord, but is, I'm going to read a little bit of a portion of Scripture. I want to talk about the end of preaching today. The end of preaching. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for your worship. You may be seated. There's a wonderful elder uh, that, that preached a great sermon, Brother Lear, on the end of preaching. And, and I appreciate the uh, fact that th- there, is a, there is a sense in which the vocation of preaching will be over. There's a time where the Bible says, uh, the Bible speaks specifically, as a tree falls, so shall it lie. And there's a time coming when the vocation of preaching is over because there ain't going to be no preaching in heaven. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. So, so, so again, I, I'm, I do this too often. My wife picks on me. I'm glad she's not here, Brother Cox. But uh, poke your neighbor in the shoulder and say, if you're going to listen, tell them, say, listen now. <laughs> because there's coming a time when there will be no more preaching, where everybody that's had a chance to respond will respond. And I, and I appreciate that. A truth from Scripture, but that's not what I want to preach on today. I want to talk about a different end of preaching. There's a, there's a beautiful little Greek word called telos or, or teleology, and it's about the end of preaching or the goal of preaching or, or the purpose of preaching, and that's what I want to talk about today. Hebrews chapter 4, the writer says it this way in verse 11. 
He's challenging the children of Israel. I, I believe it's the Apostle Paul, Brother Lear. He's trying to get them to understand that there is a, a time where Israel, in their history, had an option, had a door open to them for an opportunity to step into something that God would give them. But they, they miss that opportunity. So the writer Paul, I believe, says, let us labor, therefore, because there are some people who miss the good things that God would give them. He said, let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Then he says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. He says, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that, that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Then he sums up this little section. He says, let us therefore come boldly, unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Now, now I'm going to set a little historical context. If you'll, if you'll go with me, I promise we're going to get to someplace good, but I need to lay a little foundation and, and get you into the heart of what God is communicating through his word. The Apostle Paul's writing to Jewish believers who were under intensifying uh, persecution, and, and some of them were contemplating, Brother Herbst, they return. I got, we can go back to Judaism and give up on this Jesus, the Messiah, the, the great God who came to save all we have to do to get out from underneath persecution is to go backwards. And by the way, there's a lot of spiritual attacks in your life that you don't have to face. All you have to do is go backwards. But I'm going to tell you every step backwards is a step backward back into bondage, back into domination, back into the things that were wrecking my life and my family, my heart. So Paul challenges them in this little portion of Scripture not to turn away from their only hope of salvation. So what is he saying? He says in verse 1, Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left uh, uh, of us entering into his rest, any of us should come short of it. He's saying, don't miss the fact, Brother Alex, that there is a rest. So I come to remind somebody today that they could have entered into what God had for them. And just like Israel, the apostle is saying, don't miss out on the fact today that God has a rest for you. I just, I'm going to preach today. I'm going to try if the Lord will help me to get down deep into your heart and let you know you don't have to stay in the, the, the bondage, Brother Cox, the affliction, the, the turmoil that's in your life. There is a rest today. The apostle is giving them a challenge. First of all, there's a reason to fear because God didn't let a whole generation off. 
And there are perils, he says, facing us today that is, you ready, no less real than for Israel because there's going to be obstacles in your life to test your faith and your intentions. Do you really want to serve God? Now, I know some of you are brand new in church. Maybe you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost very long, but I guarantee you when you got filled with the Holy Ghost, you walk back onto your job and you bump right slap. Forgive me, I'm going to be a little candid today. You bump slap into hell and the enemy's trying to drag you back into bondage and you got to realize, I got to fight for this thing. I got to labor that I can stay in this rest. So it's first of all, it's a challenge. There's going to be obstacles that will try to rob me of what God would give me. Now, I'm trying to move on past that, but I, I just feel a little something in the Spirit. Now, if you're new to church, you have to understand when a preacher's preaching, every once in a while, God will let the thing that you're facing kind of resonate in the Spirit of the preacher. So I'm going to tell somebody again, you can have peace in your home. You can have joy in your life. Don't you let the enemy talk you out of what God wants to give. You need to get a little fight in you and say, if God's on my side, I don't care what hell says. He can give me what I need today. So the offer of rest is first of all a challenge to make sure that we don't fall short. Turn to somebody and say, don't fall short. Man, I just want to preach there all day, Brother Cox. There is a joy. There is a peace. There is a victory. But it's also not just the challenge. There's an, there's an encouragement in the word of the apostle. He's saying, you ready? The promise is still valid. It doesn't, you ready? It hasn't perished uh, because, uh, George, some people don't want it. There's still a rest today. And I don't care if nobody else wants it in my family, if nobody else in my friend group wants it, if there is a rest, you ready? It's still available today. God is saying, if somebody doesn't want it, I'm going to find somebody who does. But the apostle goes on to say, it was preached. There was not only a promise. The, the problem is not, Brother Cox, is there a rest today? And the, promise, uh, the problem is not, has it been preached? You're going to come to this church and this wonderful man and woman of God and this church is going to try to encourage you to understand that if you can just see through the eyes of faith what God would give you by his spirit, he can give you more than you could ever dream up on your own. Now, I'm trying to go slow today. You ready? But I'm just going to, I'm going to preach the way I feel today. Forgive me if you're new. We're just crazy. Why? Because Jesus loved us and Jesus changed us and Jesus helps us. So we can't help but get excited about what God has done in our life. So it was preached. And, and he says, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. That means, you ready? Every generation has the opportunity for the rest. Every generation is going to have a preacher stand up and declare what you need for victory in your life. And the problem is not preaching. He says in verse 2, but the word preached did not profit them. Why? Not being mixed with faith. See, that's the issue. See, here's what he's doing. He's walking back into that history of Israel where there's 10 spies that don't have faith and there's two spies that do have faith, Brother Cox. And there are two people that believe what God said, that we can have the land of promise. And he's saying, you're going to either listen to the crowd or you're going to side with those that are the minority of faith. Now, I'm going to tell you, not everybody's going to be excited about you coming to God and giving your life to God and the change in your life. And you got to decide, who am I going to listen to? 
those of the unbelief that's going to try to talk me out of what God is doing in my life? Or am I going to listen to people of faith? Can I get a Joshua or a Caleb somewhere that say, I'm going to believe what God has said? So the apostles warning them that either you're going to take the step of faith or you're going to be affected by the majority. And he says, the only reason we don't enter into rest is because of unbelief. And again, I'm going to read it again. Verse 11, let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest that any man fall after the same example of unbelief. See, the apostles laying out the pattern is the same to all who fail. They do not hear, they do not heed, they do not hold to the word of God. And they harden their hearts and sometimes become bitter over time and they harbor unbelief. And the Bible says they provoke the Lord and there's no rest. Now I promise I'm going to get to someplace good. But see, that's what it is. The question is, can I believe Will I reach by faith or will I resist the promises in the word of God? I don't care if it's an aggressive no or a passive no. It's still a no. And so what is the answer? The problem is, is if I cut everybody in this room today, we all bleed red. And so every one of us is tempted to come short of the glory of God. Every one of us is tempted to stop short of the victories that God had for us. And I don't care if you're one day older in the Lord or 50 years older in the Lord. You ready? At the end of the day, you got to say, Lord, if there's more for me, God, if there's a higher level of faith that you want me to step into, God, if there's a, a victory in my life you're trying to hand me, help me to understand that i got to seize that by belief. i got to agree with you in my spirit and conform my obedience so that I can step into the victory that you have for me. We're all tempted to fall short. So God starts to show us things over time. And I remember there's this wonderful uh, young lady at uh, Brother Cox at uh, Indiana Bible College right now is Cassandra Diaz. And she she hadn't been in church very long and uh, she's first generation and so she got saved and she's like you know they've been talking to me teaching me Bible studies like you did brother Herbs about baptism repentance and baptism in Jesus name and filling of the Holy Ghost she said I experienced all that and I thought wow what's next we just kind of ride the train to heaven tell the pastor you're retired we're good we can just all have a good time to heaven how many of you know that's not the Christian life he begins to help us walk into in more things. See, what the temptation is, you get saved, Brother Lear, and all of a sudden, you're a week old in the Lord, and you're ready to write your book, The 32 Steps of Victorious Living. You ready? I'm, I, the, let the rapture come. I'm ready to go. We're good to go. And so, so it's kind of like people that are raising kids. They, they, you know, they get to about the age of five or seven, and they think, man, we're perfect parents. We're going to go ahead and write our book on, on perfect parenting. And there's another trial coming your way. It's called adolescence. And that rude awakening where you understand that, boy, there are still some more things that I, I need to learn. Can I help somebody today? Don't quit walking with God when it gets hard. You hear me? Don't get, yeah, I understand there are things coming your way, but you got to arrest by faith. you got to say, I refuse to let new things rob me of the rest. I understand that there's manna falling every day. And it would be very easy to stay here, Lord. But if you want me to go into Canaan and start taking walled cities, if you want me to start obeying at a deep level and getting involved and getting my spirit aligned in my family and with my spouse. I'm ready for that victory today, God.
The Bible says that the word of God is a living word. He said, for the word of God, Brother Cox is quick and powerful. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh, Brother Herbs had, happened to have this in his trunk. I don't know what that says about him. <laughs> I left mine in Indianapolis. Hallelujah. But Brother Zachary, it's a Roman Gladys, right? A model after that. Probably a little bigger, Brother Herbs. But it's uh, pretty close, right? And, and, and uh, this is pretty sharp. I promise not to cut you. Will you help me? Okay. Come on up, man of God. The Bible says, for the word of God is quick and powerful. Come up and stand right here, Brother Zachary. I promise not to cut you or anything, man of God. You trust me, right? You're a good man. You're a good man. That's dangerous comments right there. <laughs> for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit. You ready? Uh, and the joints and the marrows, it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Now, what is the word of God saying? Let's stay right there, Brother Zachary. See, what you would have to understand is in the time of the apostle, the Bible is saying the word of God cuts close. The sword of the spirit, when you walk into this house and your pastor begins to preach or teach the word of God, it's going to cut close. God's going to do some heart surgery on you every once in a while. It's where the word of God comes down and starts exposing things in my life. Why? Because God, now I'm going to help somebody. You ready? God really wants to help my marriage. But every once in a while, he's got to expose my heart to the sin that's wrecking the intimacy in my own marriage. Why? Not because he's trying to hurt me. He's trying to help me. So the sword of the Spirit divides and discerns and examines and exposes the totality and the depth of one's being. That's why Paul tells his son in the gospel in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, study to show thyself approved unto God. Why, uh, Brother Alex, why should a young preacher like you, why should you study to show yourself approved unto God? A workman that needeth not being ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Why do you need to rightly divide? That Greek word means to cut a straight row. What you need to pray for every time your pastor gets in the pulpit is, Lord, help him to cut a straight row today. If there's anything in my heart unlike you, Jesus, help him to cut a straight row today. I don't want somebody to pat me on the back and leave me in bondage of sin. I don't want somebody to pat me on back and leave me with some malady that's going to affect my marriage and affect my family. I need a preacher that will stand up and rightly divide the word of God so it cuts close so that I can be helped and saved. What does it look like? The soul and the spirit, the thoughts, he says, the inner thoughts and the intentions. And, 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 and you're ready? That's the inner motivations. And, and I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to hurry, but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to preach, okay? Are you guys all right? So what does it look like when he begins to separate the soul and the spirit? When I, God begins to say things like this, you have the ability to manipulate emotions versus being truly spiritual. Or are you ready when worship becomes, instead of worship of God, it can become man-centered. Or preaching can serve human promotion instead of being truth-centered to help people. And teaching is to wow people instead of cut to the heart so that they can actually be helped. You better thank God every day for the purpose of preaching.
I'm going to say it again. Brother Cox, you haven't asked me to preach a thing. But when your pastor stands up here and begins to preach from this word of God, and you're ready, he lays the relationship on the line because he knows that when I preach that straight, at the end of the day, you may walk out of here and be offended, but he loves you too much to leave you. God loves you too much to leave you with the problems in your life. He's going to take the word of God and cut into some things so healing can occur. So what does that look like? The Bible says in Hebrews 4.13, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. That means you need to understand there are no hidden issues. He sees all. Can I help you today? Instead of pretending you're strong today, Why don't you reach for strength? We're going to get there. Brother Zachary, here's what would happen. Somebody, let's just say you were a criminal. And and you're, uh, you're being brought before the judge. There would be a Roman soldier, Brother Herbst, that as as I face the audience like you're looking at the judge, this is what they would do. See, shame causes us to drop our head. Shame. Oh, I'm trying to behave today. See, I can tell sometimes when I walk in and I see people walk in, they can hardly meet your eye. Why? Because the enemy has beat them up so much during the week that by the time they get to the house of the Lord, they can barely lift their head. The condemnation of the enemy that even tries to keep you away from the church saying, you might as well give up. You're never going to have victory in your life. You need to look at the devil every time and say, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation from God. That's always from the enemy. Brother George, the reason that condemnation is so powerful is because we know we're guilty. And when the accuser of the brethren, the Satan, the name from the Hebrew literally means prosecutor. That would be a good interpretation. Satan, it means the one who accuses. And when he accuses the reason, it, it hurts so deep. See, slander is a terrible thing. It's when somebody tells a lie on you to hurt you. But gossip is even harder because they're telling the truth to hurt you. Both of them are malicious. You ready? But God isn't trying to hurt you. So this is what they would do, Brother Zachary, and I promise you this is not sharp. Okay. So what they would do is that that Roman soldier would look at that that guilty man and he would force his chin up to make him look into the eyes of the judge. And see, that's what we don't like. Thank you, Brother Zachary. What is the purpose of preaching? See, here's what we do. We, we come into the house of the Lord and our, our tendency is to hide our sin. To stay in the place of comfort. It's like Adam and Eve hiding in the bushes. And when an all-knowing God invites them back into relationship, they're trying to cover themselves, Brother Cox, and forsaking rest, they became restless. They run and hide and find all sorts of things. That's why Proverbs 28, 13 says... He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. Why? Because you go into the rest of of the proverb, but whosoever confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. 
Who wants to admit things? Who wants to face things? Who wants to hear the things in our own hearts? I'll just tell you today, I'm a human being just like you. And when I'm wrong, I don't like to admit it. But thank God for a preacher who will stand up. I'm going to tell you what the end of preaching is, the purpose of preaching, the gift of preaching, and the gift of the preacher. When they force your eyes up, when they come in and they say, you can't hide your sin, and all of a sudden it's like that preacher stomping down the pew verbally and he gets on your toes, and all of a sudden you realize, God, that's me that you're talking about. The apostle says in verse 14, seeing then that we have a great, not judge, look at the text, a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. This is what, this is the reason that God has that preacher force your chin up so that you don't walk out there in the same bondage that you came in with. Because when you get your eyes forced up and you look at the one on the throne, you're going to realize he's not against me. He's for me. And then when I walk into the house of God, I don't have to hide anything. He already knows. I can come to the throne of grace. Now I'm going to help you, not the throne of judgment. The throne of grace to obtain help. In the time of need. When I don't think I should approach the Lord. At the moment I'm not even sure I can look him in the eye. He invites me to his throne. And the preacher takes that word of God. And lifts my chin up to say. Lord you really are for me. And get your eyes off your failure. And get your eyes off your sin. And get your eyes off your mistake. And get them back on the Lord Jesus. So he can forgive and help. Right when you need it. What are you saying, Brother Kilman? The preaching of the word is not punishment. It's not condemnation. It's invitation. It's not shame, but it's salvation. It's not hate. It's hope. It's like in Luke 6. Jesus is in the synagogue at Capernaum. And, and you know, this is what we would do, Brother Herbst. This is what we would do if we were in the church service that day. You'll never guess what happened at church today. That crazy preacher... Jesus walked up to that man with the withered hand and in the middle of front of God and everybody at church said, stretch forth your hand. Well, Jesus should know better than that. What is the purpose of preaching? When that man is, I understand, it seems cruel. How dare Jesus have him stretch forth that withered hand? You ready? But the reason that Jesus is calling him to the center of, in, in, in the synagogue, in the center of attention, is not to shame him, but to heal him. So I have a question for you today. Jesus is by his spirit in this house today. And, and if, the, if the Lord invites you to stretch forth your hand today, what are you going to do? You're going to show the good hand? Can I help you today? The whole reason you got it dressed and came to the house of the Lord is not so we could look at each other and think how cool and, and high five each other. And I'm glad you have relationships. If you need help today, the reason you got all the way to the house of the Lord is to bring your weakness and say, Jesus, I need your help today. And he said, stretch forth your hand. And God healed him. Which hand do I? Present in Christ's presence. 
Is it my marriage? Is it my personal purity? Is it my life? What is it? When I get into the house of the Lord, what am I going to show Jesus? I'm going to hasten to a close. That's a trick, by the way. See, here's what happens. If God knows each of this, each of us this well, then let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. The gift of the word of God, the gift of the preacher is it forces me to look into the eyes of a savior. Get my eyes off condemnation. Get my eyes off fear. Get my eyes off doubt. And see the truth and confess the truth so that healing can begin. I, I told the leadership team last night, Brother Cox, I, I went in and I was telling Brother Mooney, I, I, I had some firsthand knowledge of some pretty uh, tough things. And, and I, I told him what was going on. And I, I remember he, was, he looked at me, Brother Herbst, and he was relieved. And he can say, well, Brother Kilman, you can see that I'm relieved, don't you? And I was shocked. I'm just a young man, Brother Lear. I said, yes, I, I can. And he said, well, now you're ready. The sin can be confronted. And it can be addressed. And com- confession can happen. And repentance and healing can begin. So here's my question for you today. How many of you know you need some help from God in your life today? Would you do me a favor and just slip up your hand as a confession? See, see, there it is. If I, if I say, Lord, this is what I need help with when I'm in your presence and I don't hide my weakness, but I confess it. Yeah. I understand our tendency is to run and hide. There are times where the Lord has come along with me in my spiritual walk and said, son, do you want to deal with this today? But occasionally I've ran, brother, brother Cox, I've tried to hide from the Lord because I didn't want to face what I'd done. You ready? I'm ashamed or out of doubt or fear or weakness or something. And then the Lord, thank God, he doesn't go away. He comes back to me again later and says, son, do you want to deal with this today? There was a young man that came to me at Indiana Bible College. And, and it was very, very courageous. And I'm going to try to say this as ca- in a couch language as I can. And like many, many young men in this age with, the, with the, the digital kind of age that we're living in, I know most of the children are out of here. And you can kind of know what I'm, I'm talking about without me going into too much detail. He had fell into a pattern of sin and, and getting into things that robbed him of his uh, peace with God uh, on mine. And he... Uh, he was filled with it. The enemy condemns, right? And the Bible says, if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. See, our hearts know when we do wrong. Somebody's got to help us with that true spiritual reality. So Brother Cox, he, he went to his dad and his youth pastor, thank God, and they, they got some protocols in his life and put some good things on his phone, on his computer, and, and he's living in victory. But, but you ready when you start thinking about, like, you know, he said, I was filled, Brother Kilman, with self-loathing because of my sin. Now, he had already, uh, Brother George, asked forgiveness. He had al- he's already living in a pattern of victory, but 
He said he was uh, in, a, in a, a setting and the youth pastor was, uh, or the, uh, was, one of the youth leaders was preaching. And, and, and he said, some of you already have victory. And if, you're not, if this message is not for you, you need to pray for someone else today. And he said the Lord was speaking to him to go pray for one of his friends who was struggling. And he's filled with that condemnation. That is not from God. The purpose of preaching is if you want to get up today, you can get up and start walking with God again. You can get forgiveness and strength to go forward. He said, and I'm sitting there and I'm praying. And he said, he, he, he told his father, uh, Brother Cox, he said, I was praying and I was talking to God. And, and he said, uh, and I was saying, God, but how can you use me after what I've done Why, and all of these things that I've done? Why would you even want to use me? And he said, the Lord spoke to me, Dad, in your voice. And he said, because you're my son. See, that's what I come to tell somebody today. You got to get a right picture of God. God is not some mean spirited judge that's going to hold everything against you. If you want forgiveness today and strength to walk in the newness of life, He's here to help you today. He's here to help your family today. He's here to help you walk in victory. It's His will, it's why He died. How many of you know the Lord's had to work on you over time to peel layers of your heart back so that you can really understand? And he was in another, he was in Indiana Bible College Chapel. He's answering the call to God. He's a tremendous young man. He's, he's a leader already amongst his peers, Brother Zach. And he's sitting in the back and, and, and they're preaching again. And the Lord is moving on him to do things. And he's back there and he's asking forgiveness again. What God has already forgiven him for. He's asking forgiveness again. Lord, would you forgive me? And he said, the Lord just got a strong rebuke said, when are you going to quit hating my son? See, here's what I come to tell you. See, it's very easy to say God can help somebody else today and grant them forgiveness and deliverance, but it's very hard to take that and turn on ourselves. If you would tell somebody, take that sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and say, see the forgiveness, see the help that God, when are you going to turn that sword back on your own self and, and take the sword of the Spirit and rebuke the lies of the enemy and cut them out of your life and say, there's forgiveness for me today. Stand with me. Uh, see, here's what we have to do. I understand. Because we're human beings. We're human beings and we can't dream that God loves us that much. So I'm going to make it easy today. I want everybody to close their eyes. I want you to imagine that you're standing before the Lord Jesus Christ today. Because he is in this place by his spirit. And if you need help from him to overcome, I want you to just ask him today. Would you help me, Jesus? Come on, right there where you're standing. Would you just ask him? Would you help? Don't hide your needs today. Stretch forth your hand. Confess your need. I need you, Jesus. I'm tired of fighting this on my own, Lord. Come on, what's the end of preaching? What's the purpose of being in the house of God today so that you can find the strength you need? See, the tragedy would be if there is a throne of grace to help you in your time of need today for you not to lift your eyes in faith and see what God would give you in the Spirit today.
You may not even understand what I just said there. You may be brand new. But if you know you want peace in your life and peace in your home, and I don't care if you're 15 or 50, you can ask God today. You don't have to understand everything, but I promise you there is a sovereign Lord who grants victory. And you can say, Lord, I'm ready for it today. Help me, Jesus. Come on, that's it. Let's just begin to pray and reach out to the Lord. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week. Thank you.